This podcast is also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is so easy to use. It's simple, it's fast, it's effective. It's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform and in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join Anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATV Sports, as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit, you can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. Welcome to the Dog Check Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Adams, and I'm here to cover all things dog pound in Cleveland for you guys. Make sure to give the Twitter account a follow. It's at dogcheckpod. Uh, to always follow back, guys, um, you can tweet at me whenever, or DM me. I want you guys to be involved in the podcast, questions, uh, thoughts, concerns. Uh, and make sure also give my personal account a follow. That's at ChandlerAdams11. Um, that one's always going to be followed back as well. So with it being the first episode, I kind of just want to talk about how how this came to be. Um you know, I was just sitting here thinking, and two years ago, if I would have tried to do this podcast, it would have went nowhere. Um, Cleveland fans were still the same. Um, crazy, always there, um, loyal fans. But they didn't, why would you want to, why do you want to talk about um, Johnny Manziel and Kaiser and Corey Coleman? I mean, they just, they're just depressing. You know, you fast <laughs> you fast forward two years, and now there's Browns podcasts left and right, and I don't think that's a bad thing. There's a piece of the pie for everyone, really. Uh, people can't get enough of them. They're everywhere. Cleveland fans are everywhere. Uh, but yeah, two years ago, this podcast would have just been. It just would have been a no go. I uh, that. The win- the last win before the Thursday night Jets game, so it would have been Christmas Eve, uh, t- three seasons ago now. I still remember yelling at my mom. I didn't want to go to church. She made me and my dad. Uh, we wore brown shirts under our dress shirts, um, because it was Christmas. So you have to dress extra nice, because that makes sense, and. Uh, we I was texting my brother the entire game. Update, update, update. What what do we got? And when he texted me that the field goal was good, me and my dad both yelled because we read the text at the same time. Um, in church. Out loud. True story. And just thinking about where the Browns are from there. It, it I mean it's just it's truly amazing. I the first thing that is actually the first thing I want to talk about is something that I've been seeing a lot um, through from Cleveland fans, and I this did Sashi Brown die for our sins type thing. For the you for those of you that don't know, Sashi Brown was the GM of the Browns before the current GM John Dorsey. Um, I I'm not gonna lie, Sashi did a Sashi did a pretty good job in the drafts. I mean, you look back at his 27 draft, and it's littered with people that 
are going to be cornerstone pieces of this franchise. And then you look back at the 2016 draft, and he he got us Joe Schobert, um, our middle linebacker of the future. So these drafts weren't terrible. He made some poor choices, but like the Deshaun Kaiser at pick 60 or whatever, that's that's not such a bad choice. I mean, a lot of upside, and with the 60th pick and the overall draft, 60th overall pick, that's not too big of a risk. But I don't buy into the he died for our sins bullcrap. Um, you know, while he did a a pretty good job of drafting cornerstone pieces potentially for the franchise, he just he didn't f- find football guys to first off coach the team, second off in free agency, and third of all. The rest of his draft picks, he was all analytical. So while we did, in the 2017 draft, get Miles Garrett, David Njoku, and Jabril Peppers, that you start to wonder, yes, Jabril got us Odell Beckham in a way, but was Jabril Peppers the best player available, or was he drafting that because we needed a safety? And it's just little stuff like that. Like He, he was very analytical, and it was time for Cleveland to just have a football dude. Fast forward to today with John Dorsey, and he's getting football dudes left and right. No more analytics. They say they use analytics, in which everyone does use analytics, but Sashi was basing his life off of analytics. John Dorsey picked Baker Mayfield because they went to Oklahoma's Pro Day And Baker Mayfield yelled real loud, and the entire team turned their heads and sprinted in towards him. That's the kind of stuff that turns a franchise around. You get football dudes. You get leaders. You get people that are more than just good statistically or have potential statistically. And... You know, I've I've looked, I've searched, and I can't find a turnaround that's been this drastic, this fast, and in, in NFL history. You know, you could say in the history of sports, but teams like the Cavaliers, um, you know, you get a player like LeBron back after they got the first overall pick in the draft, and it it changes things. NFL though. You can't just get one person, LeBron, and change your franchise. It's a culmination of, it's, it truly is a 53-man game in football. But, you know, your second stringers make, they're your practice, they're your um, scout team. They make that first team better. Um, it. With with this turnaround, I you know, you get Baker Mayfield, you, you so you have your franchise QB, you get Dunzel Ward, your corners your cornerback of the future, which is a very premium position. Uh you already had Miles Garrett, which is another premium position. Um, but you go ahead and you get Jarvis Landry there's some hate on Jarvis Landry every now and again. And I'll agree. His contract, 
is not favorable for the Browns. But give him a year where he's not the he's not the number one option for wide receiver, and the dude might flourish. Uh, you get Olivier Vernon, a premium pass rusher in the NFL. You get Sheldon Richardson, who if he can string together a full season, and the bad part is it's, he's never pulled together a full season since his time in Seattle, but it hasn't been because of injuries. So we don't know what's going on up in his head that's making him not be able to do that. You, um, In this draft, you get Greedy Williams. You get Sione Takitaki, who if you haven't watched him, go watch some of his film, guys. It's insane. He's everywhere. He's the kind of guy you need on a football team, especially in a division with the Steelers, who, while they have Big Ben, James Conner ran it all over the Browns last year. You have Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. You have Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. And now Rodney Anderson, too, if he can get healthy. Um... I mean, if you're in the AFC, your goal is to dethrone the Patriots eventually. And with Tom being as old as he is, they're a run-centric deep offense. So, yeah, I mean, to go from two years ago to now, where the Browns, the odds came out today, they are the favorites to win their division. It, It's unbelievable. I mean, just two years ago, I was sitting in my dorm after the Cody Parkey missed field goal that could have won them the game, but then they went to overtime and lost it there. And I just thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I have I have to switch teams. I, I can't do this every Sunday. But I sat there, ate an entire pizza to myself, and thought, I can't leave them. As much as I want to, as much as I try to, I can't leave these guys. So, I kind of want to talk about the quote-unquote non-sexy stuff that the Browns did this offseason, which I've already touched on a little bit. Um, I consider the non-sexy stuff the hiring Todd Munkin who if you haven't, his offenses, um, so last year with Tampa Bay, which his offenses have always been good, you got to remember he had Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick as quarterbacks and absolutely zero running game. They had 5,300 yards passing combined, 36 touchdowns combined, and 26 interceptions combined. Browns, between Baker and Tyrod, only had 4,200 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 17 interceptions. And if you've never really sat down and watched Tampa Bay, they are running nine routes every play, seemingly. And what a nine route is, is it's... uh, in layman's terms, it's a hail mary. You know, it's a it's a go route. Your your wide receivers are just going down the field. 
Um, it's a good thing we have um, a few players that can do that really well. Um, one's name's Antonio Callaway, and the other one is some guy named Odell Beckham Jr. that we got this year. He's pretty good at that, guys. Um, another non-sexy thing we did was hire Freddie Kitchens. We didn't go out and hire Mike McCarthy or hire Bruce Arians or for some reason why he's a sexy name, Adam Gase. We hired Freddie Kitchens, who Baker, our franchise quarterback, had rep with. And every single person on that Cleveland roster, the first words out of their mouth about Freddie are, he's a real dude. These guys have been lied to and bullshitted their entire lives when it comes to sports. You know, whether it be college, high school, pro. They walk in and they talk to Freddie and he'll say, no, you're not good enough to start yet. Keep busting your butt. And come back to me next week. That's the kind. He's real. And not to mention. His offense is pretty damn good. Um, you go out and get. Steve Wilkes. A guy who's been a head coach. Um, That's important. Freddie's never been a head coach. Freddie's never been a true offensive coordinator. He's been an interim offensive coordinator. That does not mean I don't think Freddie can do the job. I think he's going to excel as a head coach. But Steve Wilkes knows a thing or two. Uh, and also Todd Munkin's been around, but he hasn't been a head coach. And Steve Wilkes, the first thing people want to say is he ran a zone defense. Yes, I was worried about it too. Started looking into it. He ran cover three a lot. Cover three, essentially, your cornerbacks are kind of playing man if the receiver keeps going down the field. If they cut over right away, you know, it's going to be someone else's um, job. But that's not even the biggest point. The point is you have, you drafted the best press corner in the draft, and you have according to PFF, the second best man coverage corner in the NFL currently. If you don't adjust and you run zone every, I mean, not every play, obviously, you run zone as heavy as you did in Arizona, he won't be here the whole year, guys. And you know John Dorsey talked to him while when he hired him, when he drafted Greedy, hey, you might have to adjust. And here's the thing, Steve Wilkes has adjusted his entire career. In Carolina, when they won the Super Bowl, he had three outstanding linebackers. So he played three linebackers the most in the NFL that year, percentage-wise, per snap. He went to Arizona. He didn't have any linebackers. So he played two linebackers the most in the NFL, per snap. And he played five defensive backs, which is important because with an offense like the Browns have, you're going to be scoring points left and right, hopefully. You're going to need to stop the pass. You have Denzel, Greedy, you know, TJ or Terrence and as the slot corner. Um, you have Demarius Randall, and I think the fifth guy towards the end of the season, 
is going to be Sheldrick Redwine, guys. He's a good player. He's a very good coverage player. And I think that they, I really think that they got him to take over Randall's spot next year, as that has seemingly gone nowhere contract talk-wise. But we'll talk about that um, next episode when I do a little draft kind of thing. Um, so that's the coaches and the non-sexy stuff they did with that. The players, I mean, you get Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, Sione Takitaki. You get two linemen, one Drew Forbes, one Brian Finan Ganafo. Well, go back to the coaches for a second, sorry. You get Campin, the the offensive lineman that is just sh- just growing them and shipping them out of Green Bay. David Bakhtiari, who's that? Well, now he's the best lineman in the NFL, without question. It just He just brings him in. He has a certain type he likes, which is apparently around 6'4", 6'5", 300 pounds-ish, um, and very fast. Drew Forbes and Brian Finan-Ganafo were both very, very, very fast. Um... So, you know, you're bringing in those players. You hope that uh, he's hoping, and so is Dorsey, that Forbes and Finan Ganafo are your tackles of the future. Um, Forbes, a little undersized. Well, um, you know, you, you can build a little bit of size once you get to the NFL, and there are tackles now that not every tackle is just some giant slob now there I mean you look at Jonah Williams I think he went to Bengals I think he's gonna thrive you you don't have to be huge to be a tackle anymore it's a it's a pass dominant league and that's making edge rushers in the NFL be a little quicker a little faster which is making your tackles need to be a little quicker and a little faster um you get Sione Takitaki he got 20 tackles in his bowl game guys the Browns could not tackle last year. If you go back and look at Sione Takitaki's stats, he had a lot of missed tackles, a lot. But then you go back and look at the games, he was having missed tackles because he was getting himself into situations no other player would be able to physically. He was getting into the backfield when most players wouldn't even be able to get, you know, one of the hands of the lineman off of him to get through the blocker. He, He, being an edge rusher, he's very good. He's very good at breaking down and getting into the backfield to get the tackler. Um, And he showed a tremendous improvement in the coverage game as the year went on. So I'm really excited about him. Um, You get Olivier Vernon, a premier pass rusher, guys. I'm not going to get too much into it. I'll get into it more on a different episode. But Vernon, oh, and you get Sheldon Richardson. Vernon Richardson. Ogunjobi and Garrett, aside from off the top of my head, teams I can think of that have a better defensive line are maybe the Chargers, um, maybe, the no, not the Texans. They don't. They can't stay healthy enough, and they don't have the depth. Well, not the depth, the four premier. You have four premier pass rushers is what I'm trying to get to. Um, the Chargers of Jerry Tillery can show up will be very good. The 49ers, if D Ford 
can stay up where he is, which he usually has a down year after a good year, will be very good. Him, Bosa, and Buckner, Monsters, Armstead. Um, regardless, you're going to have one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. And then you have a couple of very good lockdown corners and a lot of depth and competition in that secondary. So the Browns' defense is going to be much improved, which is not sexy. But if you've watched the Browns before, what wasn't sexy was Greg Williams allowing 1,000 yards a game, playing Jabril Peppers 70 yards back. And I'm just so ready for the defense to be much improved and uh, Steve Wilkes to take it to a level that I had never seen before. Um, The sexy stuff, Odell Beckham Jr., Greedy Williams, Kareem Hunt. Yes, going to address it now. Kareem Hunt, terrible video. It's sickening. Here's the thing. It doesn't make it right that the Browns signed him, but if they didn't, somebody else would have. From a purely football standpoint, he is a top five running back in the league. If he can get his crap together and become a better man, then I will feel better about the signing. But for now, it still sits with me a little wrong. Um, Football-wise, though, I mean, he's a great player. Greedy Williams, like I already talked about, a lockdown press corner. And a very good one at that. Go back and watch his games at LSU. You could see this past year, there was a game against, I believe it was Alabama. They lost. He played well. They lost. And they were out of the playoff, uh, college playoff race. And he just kind of shut it down after that. But then you go and read about him, and you think, why the hell didn't he shut it down earlier? The dude's got a kid, and he's coming from one of the worst situations a player's ever come from. I mean, just dirt poor. And so I'm happy for the kid. Uh, He's great situation. His second contract's probably going to be very big. And then OBJ. You get one of the most polarizing athletes in the world. One of the best receivers in the world. And at his trajectory, could be one of the best receivers to ever play. He's had the best, one of the best starts in NFL history with a terrible quarterback. Now he has a very young, up-and-coming quarterback who looks to be very good. Um, little, little tidbit for you. Uh, according to PFF, OBJ was the best and most proficient slant route runner last year. Um, they take into effect yards after the catch, drop passes, um, your ability to separate from the cornerback, and some guy named Baker Mayfield was the second best slant pass thrower. That takes into effect um, how fast do you get the ball out, how was the ball catchable, stuff like that. So, you have OBJ and Baker doing the slant, and you have Callaway going deep every time. I'll take it. Run the same play 50 times a game. Don't change it. (laughs) Um, 
So with this being my first episode, I didn't want it to be super long. So that's all I kind of have about my thoughts. I just kind of wanted to give a quick overview. Um, and, you know, now I'm going to get to the listener questions, which I, you know, tweeted out that I want you guys to be involved in. Um, that's what makes it fun. I'm here to answer your guys' questions. And I just like to talk, which everyone that knows me knows that. Um, so the first question was from the lovely Julia Thatcher. For those of you that don't know, that is my girlfriend. But thank you for the support. Um, guys, she wasn't a Browns fan when we started dating. But now, even during the 16 and 17 season, she would go to First Energy with me in December and watch Johnny Manziel get shut out by the Bengals. Super supportive. And she has heard me talk about the Browns nonstop for about a Let's see. From last April when Baker was drafted to now. And she hasn't killed me yet, so that's good. Anyway, on to her questions. She had two of them. First one, Browns this year. Over, under, eight wins. It's a fair question, but I'm going to say easily over. Um, I'll do an episode where I talk about each game in depth. But for this one, I'll just go through the games and I'll tell you whether I think they're going to win or lose it. Um, so first game, Titans at home. Titans are a good team. People are underestimating them. But it did help out for our sake that they drafted Jeffrey Simmons, number one overall, who won't be able to go. Um, they don't have a quarterback. They have a very good running back, but it usually takes them a while to get loaded. Um, they've got a couple very good receivers. Delaney Walker might not be anything this year. Got a good offensive line. But the Browns win. Um, I think the Browns win that one pretty easily, actually. Um, I think that they're going to be pissed off that people are not thinking that they're going to be as good as they should be. So Browns win week one against the Titans. Then they go on the road to the Jets for, I believe it's Thursday night football. And it might be Monday night. I don't even know. I've just I've been so engulfed with <laughs> the Browns that I forget. Um, they're going to win that one, guys. Le'Veon's a great running back, but his best attribute is to be able to hide behind the linemen and do that little hesitation thing, which works great if you know your line. He doesn't know the Jets line, and the Jets line is terrible. Um, the Darnold's still got a ways to go until they improve. Their receivers aren't very good. They don't have a single wide receiver one. They have a bunch of second and third, what should be wide receivers. Um, defense isn't very good outside of Jamal Adams and seemingly Quinton Williams, but it will be a second game in the NFL. So Browns win. Third game, Rams at home against the Browns. I'm going to throw something out there that not many people are talking about. Everyone's saying Browns lose. I think that they're saying that because they think the Browns have to lose. What if Todd Gurley's knee is a problem? There's been rumors that it's arthritic. Um, Maybe he gets banged up week one or two and just I, he's not the same guy. 
Maybe Cooper Cup doesn't come back the same guy. Um, maybe that defense outside of Aaron Donald uh, it doesn't do that well. Maybe they win that game. I am going to give them the loss because I don't think that they're quite there yet. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot better game than most people think. And I, I'll say this. If Todd Gurley doesn't play or he isn't playing at Todd Gurley level, Browns win that one. But I'm going to go ahead and say he's playing. So on to Browns at Ravens. Um you know, it's four games in at that point. The Browns have three weeks of film to see Lamar Jackson running the ball. And the Chargers and the Browns wrote a great blueprint for the rest of the league last year, the last two games. Browns win that one in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson still can't throw the ball. Browns at 49ers. That one is Monday Night Football. Browns win that one. I'm not even going to get into that. People are giving Jimmy G way too much crop props. We've seen him in like two games in his career, and he gets $70 million. He didn't actually get $70 million. That was just an exaggeration, but he got, I think, $153. <laughs> um, something like that. Hundred. It was an, a ridiculously big contract. Browns win that one. 49ers aren't good outside of George Kittle and DeForest Bunkner. Um, I respect Richard Sherman a lot, but he's old. Browns at Broncos. Browns win. Browns beat Joe Flacco with that Ravens team. They'll win with against this Broncos team. Uh, I totally just skipped. Okay, my bad. Reverse. Sixth game uh, is actually the Seahawks. It's at home for the Browns, though. Russell Wilson, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the NFL. But the Browns win that one because they have way more weapons than the Seahawks do. It's in Cleveland. Um, for that reason, the Browns win. So they're up to five. But now we play the Patriots, and that's a loss. Um, you just, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick's going to be ready. It's a primetime game of four. Um, it's in Foxborough. Browns don't win that one. Finally, against the Broncos, game eight, they do win. Well, I already said why I think they'll win. And then they play the Bills, that's a win. We're up to seven wins. And they play the Steelers at home, that's a win. Then you play the Dolphins, I'm not even going to talk about it, win. Then you play the Steelers in Pittsburgh, December game, to be gritty. Probably not going to be good weather. I'm going to give it to the Steelers because they just know how to win in Pittsburgh. So, Browns lose that one. Then we have Browns-Bengals. Win for the Browns. Browns-Cardinals. Win for the Browns. And a good storyline with Cliffs Kingsbury and Kyler and Baker. People won't shut up about that for a week. I already know that. Browns Ravens. I'm gonna go ahead and say the Ravens pull that one off because they're gonna be fighting for a wild card spot, but the Browns already have their playoff spots. They might sit people. We'll see. 
but Browns lose that one. Browns, Bengals, they're going to sit their players for this one because they already had 11 wins. They made the playoffs, but boom, just like that. They still win because the Bengals are tanking for Jake Fromm in the 2020 draft. So when it's all said and done, I have the Browns at 12 wins, and honestly, I wanted to give them 14. I don't. If someone told me that the Browns get 14 wins, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I understand that. Someone told me the Browns get 10 wins, I'd say, yeah, things just didn't go as good as they wanted to at the beginning, but by the end they were finding it. Here's the thing, guys. The Browns start off 2-0. and They can go 2-2 and after that. They can go 2-4 and after that. You start off the season 4-4, four and four, your last eight games are pretty favorable. It's just Bills, Steelers, Dolphins, Steelers, Bengals, Cardinals, Ravens, Bengals. Um... So, I have them at 12 wins. Good question. Um, what position needs most improvement before week one? Well, maybe doesn't need the most improvement. But you look at Baker Mayfield, and I know he didn't have a full year with Freddie Kitchens. 28 touchdowns and 17 interceptions it won't cut it if you're going to be a Super Bowl contending team. But I think he is improving. But so quarterback still needs to improve. That's just the real. That's just the reality of it all. David Njoku needs to keep improving. Um, we've seen tight ends are tight ends are vital. Um, they're a big part of any good offense. Um, the Austin Corbett at guard needs to play really well. Um, taking over for Kevin Zeitler, one of the best, if not the best, guards in the NFL last year. Um, your defensive line needs to improve, which they already did that. So really, I'd say Baker needs to keep getting better. Um, David Njoku needs to keep getting better. Um, and then all your rookies just need to come in and play how you need them to play. There's not a huge weakness on this team, but like I said, 28 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, which I understand the circumstances, and I fully believe Baker will be fine, but those are the positions that need improvement. Thank you, Julia. Next question is from Jack Herrick. Um, he's a Bengals fan, but he's being a good sport and asking me a question, which was a really good question. I really appreciate it. Said, how do the bro- how do the Browns avoid being a repeat of the Eagles' dream team? In other words, how do they take all this talent and form a cohesive and successful unit on the field? For the listeners that don't know, the Eagles' dream team was in 2011, and they got Michael Vick, they had Deshaun Jackson, they had Jeremy Macklin, they had a great defensive, I mean, offensive line. Um, they brought in um, some defensive players. Um, especially corners, and Vince Young, their backup quarterback, came in and said, dream team, which just hurt them in so many ways. But what do the Browns need to do? They need to block out the noise, which is getting harder and harder in professional sports, to block out all the media. And they need to remember, which it's a great thing when you hear Freddie Kitchens talk, His favorite, my favorite line is, 
we didn't do jack shit last year. We went 7, 8, and 1, and we got third in our division. Whoop-de-frickin'-hell that we're good on paper. That's exactly what they need to do. They need to follow him and realize they haven't done anything just yet. They could very well be destined for great things in the future. But as of now, they haven't done it. And that's what they need to do. They just need to realize that they need to keep getting better and prove it to everyone. Which I think they all have that mindset, which is a great thing. Great question, Jack. And the last question comes from Jacob Gibson, my good buddy. Um, he asked a great question. Here's my favorite thing about this question is Jacob's not a huge NFL guy. He doesn't love football f- the f- for the life of him. So he asked a football but not football related story or a question says, what's your favorite not-football-related story about the Browns? Maybe like a player's funny story you have heard, etc. So it's actually not a funny story. It's a just motivational story. Um, Shalepsi, oh gosh, what's his name? One second. I, I, wanna, I don't want to botch his name. Once I see it, I know. I'll know it right away. Might be Giuseppe. Bear with me. Anyway, I can't find it. Maybe he didn't make the 90 man. Hmm. Alright. Well, the Browns brought in a guy for tryouts. It doesn't seem like he's on the 90-man roster. Um, there's a great article on it. If you can find it, um, just type in, like, Browns wide receiver, um, homeless. Maybe that might work. Anyway, he was living down in Florida, sleeping outside of the training facility he was at because he didn't have um, money. And he heard from a friend that the Browns staff was coming down there to uh, hold players for a camp. So he looked up. It was Alonzo Highsmith, Browns like player personnel guy. Um, looked up his picture, looked at his background a little bit, walked up and said, hey, Mr. Highsmith, when he saw him, and I'm so-and-so, and uh, he was kind of skeptical. Then he's like, all right, come in. And then he called back to Berea, Ohio, and they said, we've never heard of that guy. And then Alonzo Highsmith watched him run his 40, and he said, well, we went, We might want to bring him in. He ran like a 4-3 to 1 or something like that. Um, so they brought him in. It, um, apparently didn't end up working out. But just the fact that he did all that work to get it, just, just to run and kind of do a workout in front of these. Oh, there he is. He is on the team. Or the 90-man romber. Damon Shahi. Giuseppe, quite a name. He went to Phoenix College, but uh, that's my favorite non-football-related story. And um, so with that, uh, that's my first podcast. Sorry, this ran a little bit longer than I wanted it to. I just kind of wanted to get everything into it. Um, you can go ahead and follow my Twitter account. 
um, at Chandler Adams 11. Follow the podcast Twitter account at Dog Check Pod. Um, you know, hit me up with questions or uh, just something you heard about the Browns you want me to talk about. And I've already had a few people, uh, few people reach out to me and say they want to be on the podcast. Just shoot the crap and talk Browns, and that's absolutely sounds like a blast. Um, but that's all I have. Thank you guys so much for listening. Give it a rating and a review so people can hear about it more. Um, Give that five-star rating review, hopefully. Thank you.